Focus on actual expertise as part of your content strategy with Lily Ray. Brought to you by Majestic, I'm David Bain and this is SEO in 2022. Lily, what's your number one SEO tip for 2022? So I think it's more important than ever for SEOs to focus on actual expertise when it comes to creating content on their websites. Okay. Um, so and this is expertise from their sp- perspective you're talking about when they're creating the content. It's the expertise of whoever is involved in producing the content or reviewing the content to make sure that it's actually demonstrating to Google that it comes from people who have the proper credentials to write about those topics as opposed to perhaps copywriters or freelancers who don't actually have a real subject matter expertise. Okay. Um, So I remember a few years ago when Google uh, highlighted um, authors of of different articles and um, actually gave you an opportunity to to be the featured author and um, um, add a little snippet within the code to demonstrate that you were the author. Um, They seemed to sunset um, that that particular way of doing things. Um, What are Google doing nowadays to, 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 are they trying to bring back something like that? I think they are, yes. Not necessarily in the same search features that they've had in the past. So like rel author, for example, that was deprecated. But what they're doing now is they're launching some new features surrounding uh, who's in the knowledge graph and potentially linking up those knowledge graph experts or authors with content that they've written in organic search. So I think that's one interesting area. And um, yeah, just paying attention to projects like Google Cameos, where experts can contribute short videos in the knowledge graph. And they've actually published some documents lately that make it very clear, like, you should list your authors for transparency purposes, you should have a dedicated bio page for them. So they're clearly going down this mission of enhancing expertise, authority and trust or EAT. Right. Okay. And um, by giving you the best opportunity to feature in the knowledge panel. I'm sure I'll be talking to Jason Barnard about this as well. I'm sure that'll be weaving into to, to what you're saying as well. But um, um, what are some of the best ways to actually give you an opportunity to appear as a knowledge panel? So generally speaking, it's best to have some type of creative work that you've been associated with. So if you've published a book, uh, if you're a musician that's published uh, an album or a track or something, um, some type of very noteworthy event taking place or, you know, Google My Business is actually a great starting point for a lot of businesses. Um, But yeah, Jason has a whole running list of the different databases that Google pulls from. So some of them you wouldn't expect, but it's kind of a way to like shoehorn your way into the knowledge graph. So I would recommend looking at his work for that. So is this a strategy that SEOs who work in enterprises, larger organizations actually should be thinking about actually um, maybe do research on everyone who's uh, potentially going to be an author, uh, a blog writer within the business and someone that's already an author, ensuring that um, all of that authority um, is taken back to the website. Yes, I think it's the job of an SEO team to ensure that Whoever's producing content and has their name associated to the content has a demonstrated you know, expertise in that area and that that's con- conveyed properly throughout the website. Um, you know, there's not always going to be uh, an opportunity to use every author as a dedicated expert, but maybe there's experts that you have on staff or expert reviewers that you can hire. 
Um, but I think it's also really important to kind of bridge the gap between the SEO team who might work with a set of content writers and the actual experts at the business who should probably be more involved in the content creation process. So some of the more effective uh, and successful SEO campaigns that I've seen in the past couple of years have that expert's name, like the, the company's dedicated expert or maybe experts associated to the content that they're creating, even if it's just reviewing what other people have written. And what does this mean for the type of content that the expert is able to write? Um, is the expert pigeonholed into being um, a so-called expert for just one niche type of content or are they able to quite freely and easily write about different forms of content and still take some of that um, authoritativeness from Google? I think it's becoming increasingly difficult to be uh, a jack of all trades. Like You should focus on the areas where you're an actual expert and produce content that's stemming from your own experiences and your own real expertise. So I shared some examples at a recent conference where some of the best performing content on like gardening, for uh, just an example, was a guy that does gardening all day. And then he has a podcast and the company transcribes his podcast and that's the content. So it's like you didn't have to do any keyword research for that. You just are using what the expert's encountering in his day-to-day -day life. And that content does very well because it adds a lot of value and it comes from a real place of expertise. So I think there's so many people doing SEO and content creation nowadays that like reverse engineering, you know, search volumes and, and topics and everything based on the existing data that's already out there doesn't account for the real contributions that experts can provide in the content. What about if you want to produce great authoritative content for your website, but you're struggling to get people internally that have enough authority or even willingness to write? So you want to use third party writers out there that aren't actively employed by the company, but you're perhaps able to pay them or pay them in kind in some other way. Um, if you want to reach out to other people and get other people involved, um, what are some of the, the best ways to determine whether they are the most authoritative, most appropriate people to reach out to? Is there a way of ranking authorities to get the, the best possible person writing for you? So I think that there's, there's tools that basically... Uh, surface those types of insights. So if you're using uh, one of these tools that has a database of expert writers and contributors, it'll say what areas they're experts in and, and where they've gone to school and what their credentials are. So it's obviously very important to pick the ones that have expertise in your category. But you also want to look for, I mean, depending on the topic. So if you're doing like your money, your life content, YMYL, you do want to look for people who are willing to put their name behind it you know, they're willing to maybe link to the other places they've been cited and have built a personal brand for themselves and can be trusted as experts. So if you ever encounter a writer who's maybe not comfortable using their name, you have to be careful when you get into more sensitive topics because Google's made it very clear that they care a lot about transparency or about around who's writing this. So I think it's especially for your money or life, not to say this is applicable for every category on Google, but the more sensitive the topic is, the more I think it's important to work with somebody who has a clear brand and clear expertise. So does that mean that you'd be better off as a business nowadays working with just one or two people and getting them to write multiple articles for your website instead of actually reaching out to lots of different people and just getting each person to write one article for your site? I think so. Yeah, I think... Uh, 
one of the analyses that my team and I work on is we actually overlay author names on top of SEO performance. And a lot of the times you'll see there's a small subset of authors that are outperforming the rest, and maybe they write on certain topics. And then there might be some other authors that are not performing as well who write about other topics. And maybe that's not necessarily only because of their writing, but just because your website could be perceived as authoritative in certain areas. And if you venture too far outside of those areas, I think Google has this kind of perceived uh, authoritativeness that assi it assigns to certain sites. And you're not necessarily able to write about, you know, finances and, I don't know, internet security on the same website, like, unless <laughs> you've been doing that for a very long time. But it's becoming increasingly clear that Google's focused on these niche areas of expertise on the domain level. And what about frequency? Um, if you've got someone writing for you, um, are you better off trying to go for really mega large articles, five to 10,000 word long? Uh, or is it better to have a more frequent publishing cadence? I don't think it's one or the other. It really depends. So if you're a news publisher or someone that's trying to get a lot of traffic from Google Discover or something like that, then I think frequency is very important because those areas of search are pretty short-lived in terms of how long you can rank. Um, but if you're writing science content or health content, um, I don't know that frequency is as important as like accuracy and quality of the content. So I think one of the big mistakes that a lot of SEOs make, just because this is what we've been used to for so many years, is like arbitrarily creating this cadence of how often new content needs to be created when in reality, maybe 80% of your content's not doing anything for the site. So why not double down on that 20% that is doing well and make improvements to it, update it, you know, and focus on those areas. So it might be less content than we're used to, but clearly Google's already not indexing and not ranking a lot of content that's already out there. I think one thing that business owners have been concerned with in the past and employing someone externally to write X number, number of articles for their business is that person's personal brand gets associated with the business, then they might move on somewhere else and they might um, take some of that authority uh, to their new project. Sh should that be a le legitimate concern or um, will that authority that uh, they build up for the website stay even though they happen to move on to someone else and not write for that website anymore? I think as long as they're willing to keep their name associated to the content after they leave, it should be fine. Um, writers come and go, but their brand doesn't, you know, especially if that's what they do. Yep. Like if, if you have a chef that's contributing to your recipe website and they contributed 20 articles that are great articles, and maybe those articles have a lot of links and social media signals and they've done well for the site, just because that chef went and started contributing to other sites, I don't think that that works against you in any way. It just shows that you work with high quality content contributors. And in terms of measuring its success, is it a case of just looking at conventional SEO metrics, um, looking at the organic traffic coming in to the articles that have been created, or is there some other way of measuring its success? It's it's getting tricky. Um, I think, yes, of course, we should look at like the rankings of the content, how much traffic it drives, whatever other KPI your business is focused on, of course, but uh, it's becoming more challenging to evaluate the performance of content because Google's getting so much better at determining intent. So I think 
In some cases, people are too focused on rankings. They might say like, oh, I moved down three positions as a result of this algorithm update, but they might not be looking at who took the three positions above them. And that could be a completely different type of website. Let's say like a dictionary website. If Google decides that three dictionary websites should outrank you, that's not to say your content writer is not good. It's just to say that Google determined there's a different type of intent for the query. So I think it's really important to make sure that the keywords that you're focusing on and your performance is actually associated to the type of keywords that matter for your business and just paying attention to the competitive landscape because it's always shifting around in terms of what Google thinks should rank in certain positions. Okay, okay. And um, how does this fit in with, um, I guess, your SEO strategy as a whole? Is this something that um, should be planned uh, on perhaps just an annual basis, a quarterly basis, or is it something that can be tweaked and amended and actually should be thought of on a, on a much more regular basis? I think this is ongoing work. My team and I do this type of work ongoing for a lot of our clients. So it's, um, especially if they already have a huge inventory of content that they've created, which is a pretty common problem, especially for sites that have been affected by core algorithm updates. One of the biggest problems we see is that they've produced too much content over the years. And so many of these sites have been doing SEO a certain way for so long. It's resulted in them having again, 80% of the content that's not performing. And maybe that's tens of thousands of articles or it could, you know, there's just a lot of Google's grappling with having too much content. Mm. So I think that there's always work that can be done to make sure that you're focusing in the right areas. Anything that's not performing, how do you handle that? Maybe you get rid of it. Maybe you consolidate it or merge it. But I do think that this should actually be an ongoing and major part of your SEO strategy. So if um, an article in general isn't getting any traffic, it's, you haven't detected any obvious links to that article, would the best thing to do in general is just get rid of it? Or would you be better off through, you know, redirecting it to something that, that's obviously relevant and getting traffic? It's a decision you have to make based on the data. If there's an applicable article that makes sense or maybe category that makes sense to redirect it to, it's, that's um better probably for SEO, but don't, you know, fake it just for the sake of trying to redirect it somewhere if you don't have that a corresponding piece of content. Another thing we run into sometimes as we're doing these projects is like, maybe the publisher wrote about way too many topics in the beginning, and they might have some um, sensitive content or like really political content or really emotionally charged content that doesn't, it's not going to do well in search and it's, it isn't doing well in search. So in those cases, you don't always want to just redirect it somewhere else on your site because that doesn't really get rid of the problem. Um, mm. So we actually have examples with our clients where like, we don't want to be associated to this content anymore. We're just going to let it 404 and get rid of it. Yeah, uh, th th that makes complete sense. Certainly anything that would damage a, a brand or not so appropriate for a, a brand nowadays that um, may have been the case four or five years ago or so. A really interesting topic and something that we can discuss for a long time. But um, I'm just going to finish off by, by asking you the question. Um, if an SEO has been doing something for the last four or five years, doing it consistently, but perhaps not getting as much value from it as they should have been. Uh, what was something like that that they should stop doing now in order to focus more time on creating you know, highly relevant um, content and, and really manage this type of process that uh, you've been talking about? Yeah, I think it's, uh, like we mentioned before, uh, SEOs tend to just build out a process where it's like, 
we're going to produce X number of articles per month. We're going to use the same keyword research tools as everybody else to determine the highest volume version of the keyword. And then we're going to write that article without necessarily thinking about like, do we have something different to say on that topic? Mm -hmm. uh, do we have something new or, or unique to add? Because otherwise Google's just going to see your content as the same content as everybody else trying to target the same high volume keywords as everybody else. So it's like, can you maybe change your content creation process to think internally with the client or with the company that you work at and say like, what are we doing that's different? Um, what are the people who are selling shoes seeing as the new trends with their customers? You know, like maybe you can be at the forefront of leading the conversation with your content. And that might involve working with people internally that you're not used to working with as an SEO team or like working with customer service, for example. Um, but using those resources, I think to curate a content strategy is going to be a lot more effective than just trying to reverse engineer the things that will drive the most traffic because it's just too competitive nowadays. There's too many SEOs doing the same thing. Great thoughts. Well, you can find Lily Ray over at lilyray.nyc. Lily, thank you so much for being part of SEO in 2022. Thanks so much for having me. Check out the rest of the content from SEO in 2022 over at seoin2022.com. Mm -hmm.